This is the first Sunday in Lent, as it also says on the cover of our worship bulletin. The first Sunday in Lent. I didn't grow up with Lent. I don't know about you, but I was raised in a church, a Methodist church in Maryland in the 40s and 50s. Those would be the 1940s and uh, 50s. Lent was something that the Catholics and the Episcopalians did. But gradually, since then, more Protestant churches began including Lent in their seasons of worship. There is, however, still confusion about the purpose of Lent and even the meaning of the word Lent. So, beginning with the earliest Christians, uh, those first two centuries of the church around the Mediterranean as it was rapidly growing, Greek, Koine common street Greek, was the language that was spoken by people of different cultures, even mixing in a congregation in places like Corinth. They communicated together in Greek, street Greek. The word for 40th was tesserakoste. And then when Latin became the dominant language of the church as it spread and grew, quadragesima meant the word 40th. As it moved into uh, the British Isles and England's growth, the English picked up a Teutonic word, the Anglo-Saxon word, and it was Lenten, L-E-N-C-T-E-N, Lenten. Well, Lenten did not mean 40th at all, <laughs> but it was for that 40th day period before the celebration of Good Friday and Easter. Lenten meant spring. <laughs> well, that works. That's what it happens. Even today, the Dutch use the word Lenten for spring. All of them, though, referred to a 40-day period before Good Friday and Easter, literally before Easter, it's counted. Uh, there are really 45 days, starting with Ash Wednesday, until Easter Sunday. But they do not count the five Sundays, so it, it celebrates 40 days. And uh, the 40 days are reminders of certain 40-day and 40-year events in the long story of God reconciling us to himself. Different 40-day or 40-year events in the scriptures. And all of them had something to do with people being cleansed. If we remember what those 40-day and 40-year periods mean, um, then we can understand what we should do with our 40 days of Lent. As we too prepare, uh, not just for Easter, but for Good Friday. I have a, um, a pet peeve. I have um, uh, something that has stuck with me that 
the world gradually celebrates Easter without stopping for Good Friday. And Christ came for Good Friday, and Easter was the confirmation of who he was and what he had done. But it is Good Friday that our sin was cleansed from us. Our text this morning is another good story to help us prepare for the cross of Christ as much as for the resurrection of Christ. So let us first pray for understanding what God has written for us this morning. Lord, we do recognize that you are the author of life and love, and you have spoken to us to make clear who you are and who we are and what your love for us is and your will for us is. We thank you for speaking to us through many of your servants through the ages. We thank you for them writing things down, for all who have translated and labor still today to provide your word in every language of the people around the world. We ask the help of your very own spirit with us and in us this morning to understand what you have caused to be written for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The sermon text is Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. Let us listen to God's word for us this morning. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Well, if you were here the last two Sundays, you will remember that Tyler's two scriptures were from the sixth chapter of Luke. 
just before the text today. And those texts gave us the words of Jesus in what is known as the Sermon on the Plain. In contrast to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. But they contain many of the similar teachings that Jesus went from place to place repeating and teaching again and again. In doing that, in both of those collections, both in Matthew and Luke, Jesus warned people about their self-righteousness and their sin. We think of Jesus as bringing the mercy and grace of God in his ministry. But he knew, as God incarnate, that the word of warning always needs to precede the word of grace. So Jesus said, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say, let me take that speck out of your neighbor's eye when you cannot see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And on and on again, Jesus reminded them of the laws of God in the Old Testament, in the only scriptures they had. He not only reminded them but he clarified them to the point of saying that these laws apply not just to physical acts, but to internal attitudes, emotions, the cast of your hidden heart. Jesus actually made the law harder than the people had ever known before. After that sermon, Luke immediately tells this story of the Roman centurion and it illustrates Jesus' sermon about measuring our standard before God. Excuse me. Measuring our standing before God. If God has the standing, standards, we either stand or fall by those standards. This story is about measuring our standing before God. It is the story of a centurion. Centurions were commanders of about 80 soldiers. They were called a century. Even though a century means a hundred, they fudged a little. There were six centuries in a Roman cohort. There were a number of cohorts in a Roman legion comprising thousands of Roman soldiers headed up by officers and officers and officers. This centurion 
was in Capernaum. He was serving in a peacekeeping role in Galilee and Judea, trying to keep the Jews from armed revolt against authority, and particularly the Roman authority at that time. This centurion chose to use kindness to avoid the use of brutality, and he provided the money to build a synagogue for the people of Capernaum. This unnamed centurion's slave or servant fell ill, and he was very near death. In Matthew's account, Matthew says the man was paralyzed. The centurion valued him highly. We get the idea that it was not just he was a good worker, but that he had bonded greatly with that one who served him, and they had become uh, friends. Uh, When he heard about Jesus, he sent Jewish elders to ask Jesus to come and heal his servant. Implied in that statement is the centurion's belief in the power of Jesus. The centurion did not ask Jesus to come to see if he could heal his servant. So when they came to Jesus, those Jewish elders, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, he is worthy. He is worthy of having you do this for him. For he loves our people, and it's he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was almost to the centurion's house, the centurion sent some of his servants with another message for Jesus. This was his message. Lord, do not trouble yourself. I am not worthy. I am not worthy to have you come into my house under my roof to be in that close contact with me. I am not worthy to have you come to me. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. Aha! Here, now, we hear the centurion call him Lord. Sometimes the word Lord is used as the word sir in the scriptures. But when the centurion asks Jesus to just speak the word and let my servant be healed, we see that he really believes that Jesus is, capital letters, Lord of all. Lord of all heaven and earth. The same Lord that the Jews spoke the same word for Lord that the Jews used whenever they came across the name of God in their scriptures, Yahweh. That name given to Moses was the name of God. And one of the commandments was not to take that name in vain. The Jews, even many today, 
will not say or write G-O-D. They will say Lord. Adonai in Hebrew. Yes, that centurion meant more than sir. We see in his words that he believed Jesus was really something. God incarnate, even though he could not say that or understand that. The Jewish elders said the centurion was worthy of having Jesus come to him and give him this gift. The centurion said, I am not worthy to be in your presence. That's a key point this morning. Who knew the centurion best? Was it the people whose synagogue he built? Or was it the centurion himself? Here is a photo of some modern combat soldiers. A centurion was not a political man. He was a military man. He was a warrior. He was appointed as a centurion and a leader of other men because he excelled at combat, hand-to-hand combat. He fought a lot of other men with the famous Roman double-edged sword or the spear. He had ended the lives of many other men. Now, in speaking to Jesus the Lord, this man did what everyone needs to do. He was honest with all that only he knew. Yes, he had heard the Jews teach that he was a Gentile and not one of God's chosen, but he had bridged that gap with his kindness in many respects. I think that he knew his kindness to the Jews did not compare to the blood that he had shed. I am not a pacifist. I just know that memories of violence and death live in the minds of military and law enforcement veterans. The centurion said in this next slide, only speak the word and let my servant be healed. He goes on to say, I'm a man under under command and I give commands. And I say and they do. I believe all you have to do as Lord is say. Jesus even did not say anything. He just said, when he, when he heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. That faith, that faith was first the centurion's recognition of the deity of Jesus with his authority to overcome life and death, even at a distance. 
even with his will, even without an audible word. That faith was second, the centurion's admission that he was not worthy of being in the presence of God, but asking for God's favor in spite of that. That is our task too. It was when we began with Christ, for many of us a long time ago, it is what we remember and explore all the more each year in the days leading up to our remembrance of the cross and the resurrection of our Lord. We should not, as people who honor and respect God and respect his incarnation among us in the flesh, we should not willy-nilly just look at our calendars the day before and show up for Easter. The least we should do is pause on Good Friday, be alone, speak to God, have a cross in your home, in your hand, and thank God for doing what he did on the cross to remove sin from you. We need always to remember our need for the grace of God as the 40 days of rain in the days of Noah and the 40 years of wandering in the Sinai desert for the children of Israel and the ministry of John the Baptist in the wilderness, our 40 days each year before Good Friday helps us to own up to the darkness in our lives so that we can be ever more grateful for the light of God's grace on the cross and in the empty tomb. The gift of God's forgiveness accomplished on the cross is also a gift of our eternal worth to God. And that too is all the more deeply received and appreciated by those who continue to open the closets of their lives. I invite you to take that journey this, this spring, these 40 days. Use them for the purpose that God has given them to us for. Reflection, honest admission, wrestling with things of the past and things of the present, and preparing yourself to be deeply, deeply grateful for God's love on Good Friday and Easter morning. Amen. Let us pray 